Welcome to Here Comes Yesterday, a weekly 15-minute podcast full of useful memories for dealing with the world ahead with your host, Frank Corrado. Podcast Western Civilization. Maybe you've heard some stories recently about how colleges are cutting back on courses in the humanities, English, history, philosophy, languages, and so on. Well, shame on them. Kids, not just kids, but all of us need a broader education than you can get spending thousands of dollars taking trade school courses dressed up as college education. I grew up in a working class Chicago family. One of the things that impressed my father when he started dating my mother was that she had gone to college, even if it was just for one year. She'd gone to a woman's college that is now part of Loyola University in Chicago. It's called Mundelein College after a famous Chicago bishop of the early 20th century. And while my mother was a secretarial uh, student, uh, took a course in secretarial training, she would have relished what I got to do a generation later, attend a four-year liberal arts college. Actually, it was through her influence that I came to love literature, music, the arts. She got that love from high school, from her father, from the culture around her, who knows where else. As I was growing up, I would notice that my father would spend time reading true crime and true detective magazines, but my mother read many of the popular books of the day, which were fairly high-end compared to today, books like The Cardinal or The High and the Mighty or The Robe or Return to Paradise. On television, she would watch high-class shows like The U.S. Steel Hour or Bishop Sheen's Life is Worth Living. Check that out on YouTube. Or The Voice of Firestone, a weekly hour of semi-classical music, while my father would watch Milton Berle, Sid Caesar, or maybe a Western. I have to admit I love those lowbrow comedies and westerns just as much as the highbrow shows my mother watched. I started collecting albums of classical and show tunes, but I still love dancing to popular rock and roll tunes as well. To this day, I still love all kinds of music, and I know a lot of people say that, but many really don't. I suppose I must admit there are a few kinds of music that turn me off, like rap which I think is really rhythmic poetry. I also am not much into music before the late 19th century, excuse me, Mozart, and I have a real bent towards impressionistic and movie music. As I sit at this keyboard writing, it strikes me that maybe I was just born this way with a wide arc of interest in not only music, but literature and geography and history. To this day, I subscribe to National Geographic, which I've done for maybe 50 years. All these interests were very much encouraged and nurtured in college. As a matter of fact, my orientation week back in 1960, yes, 1960, was run by profs from the General Studies program, and that curriculum focused heavily on the classics of Western thought. Homer, Plato, Aristotle, Euclid, de Tocqueville, Newton, the great books gang, so to speak. It's interesting that my last job before I went into farming 15 years ago was marketing 
director for Scheimer College, a great book school in the Chicago area, which is now part of North Central College. I wasn't so quite into general education when I started college, but I was interested very much in history at that age. I was planning to be a reporter, and they have to know history, right? At least that's what I thought back then. Back in the day when I went to college, a liberal arts major had to take a full curriculum. Think of it, four semesters of theology, Catholic school, right? Four semesters of philosophy. My toughest subject was logic, figures. Ten hours of language, which meant three classes a week, plus two hours of lab. Freshman algebra, which almost sank my college hopes. I remember telling the young teacher that if he'd give me a D, I'd forever stay at least 100 feet away from the math department. He had pity on me. Then there was freshman English, a breeze for me, some grammar and lots of reading. And because I was in ROTC, military science, in my junior year, I got a 36-hour-a-week, I guess that's a full-time job, at a local TV news station, but kept up with a full load of classes. I knew something would have to give, so I switched from being a history major to being an English major. Less facts, more subjective interpretation. And then, of course, Western Civ. I remember the prof quite well. Short, stooped over, wavy hair, wire glasses, old bachelor type, and to the freshman mind, mean as spit. I would come to find out later that if you signed up for an elective with him in sophomore year, I think it was Diplomatic History of Europe or something like that, you became his buddy. Now, if I tallied up all the hours I had, it came to about 17, and during my four years, I averaged between 17 and 19 hours every semester, even when I was working full-time. That's a lot of courses by today's standards with requirements that including math, science, and language. I marvel today at my older grandkids who were taking electives in college like social dancing or real estate law in their freshman year. Huh? What's all that about? Not their fault. The goofies who established the curriculum at these universities have pretty much gotten rid of minimum requirements. Too bad, no standards. Here's my dark and sinister theory of college this, these days. Number one, rule one, charge lots of money, offer them a brand name degree. Rule two, give them softball courses except for their trade school major. Rule three, give them fancy dorms and amenities and charge them lots of money. In a recent article in the Atlantic Monthly, one writer suggests that colleges have become like overloaded American cars of the 60s, some inefficient. What's needed, the writer suggests, is a Toyota Corolla kind of college that does a great job and offers just the basics. No tail fins or fancy hubcaps. There's two trade schools that seem to be trying that basic transportation kind of an approach. One is Purdue, the other is the University of Georgia. Purdue is well known for its engineering education, business, and nursing programs. Purdue's tuition for the 2022-23 year was just under $10,000 for in-state students and $28,000 for out-of-state students. 
almost sounds reasonable. For the same academic year, the University of Georgia, or Georgia Tech, I should say, uh, undergraduate fees for state residents are a little over 10,000, not bad. But the Marquis program is their computer science MS degree where students can finish on their own time in their own homes and get a master's degree for $6,500, wow. But let's get back to what every kid who goes to college should be taking, a core series of courses. If I ruled the world, here's what I would require. First, four years of English, including literature. These courses help everyone speak and read more intelligently. That's really important in an internet-dominated world where everything is written in shorthand and with emojis. Next, a course in basic financial literacy and accounting. I'm not a fan of algebra or any higher math for those not majoring in engineering or science. It's more important for the average college student to do simple arithmetic quickly and easily and also understand things like household and investment finance, skills they will use continually over their lifetimes. Introductory biology and a science elective. No one should be deprived of dissecting frogs, right? Yeah. But seriously, biology is really important for anyone in society, and that's especially important as we found out with all the dangerous bad thinking there was about public health measures during the last pandemic. Also, another core course, four years of history, social and political science. This would include Western civilization and American history. It would include two semesters of the great books of the Western world. Now the counter argument here is that none of these courses that I've been talking about uh, are going to make you more employable. I don't know about that. A lot of chatter in the media about college recently has come about partly because of the recent Supreme Court decision on affirmative action uh, admissions and the cost of tuition and also about the trade school issues. For example, the July 4th edition of the Chicago Tribune carried the following stories. A long front page article on how the beloved bike riding, retiring and undergraduate dean there had updated the University of Chicago's curriculum and added real world experience. That's over the last 20 years. In the business pages, there was a story about the North Star Promise, a plan by the state of Minnesota to help finance undergraduate education for citizens whose family income is less than 80000 a year. Great idea. It's already been tried and very successful in Kalamazoo. A month or so ago, a columnist for the New York Times wrote a long piece about the course being offered at the University of Pennsylvania where students agree to live like monks for a period of time. Enforced silence, simple clothes, no cell phones. The, the writer of that article, Molly Worthen, suggests that, quote, colleges should offer a radically low-tech first-year program for students who want to apply. A secular monastery within the modern university with a curated set of courses that ban glowing rectangles of any kind from the classroom. Students could opt to live in dorms that restrict technology as well. 
we can work individually with students who have accessibility issues uh, and uh, find out low-tech solutions for them, like turning off Wi-Fi, rationing screen time, deleting attention-guzzling apps, unquote. This comes at a time when many, myself included, are freaking out about the potential of artificial intelligence in the classroom as well. The article on the retiring Chicago dean noted that one of his accomplishments had been to reduce the number of courses that are required, core courses, to two years. Well, that sounds about right to me. Actually, that's about the way it used to be when I was in college. You really didn't major in anything until junior year. Well, at the end of the day, I think what's most important is that young people get a sense of Western civilization, how it started, where it started, why it evolved the way it did. This is so important in an age of profound disrespect for the origins and truths of our society, both from the deniers and the wokers. Well, that's it for now. This is Mel Zellman. Thank you for listening. And catch us next time. This is Mel Zellman. Thank you for listening. And catch us next time.